Wherever the ark of God has traveled in Philistia, it has brought with it very great destruction. Many have died. Multitudes of the living are afflicted with tumors. They have been in this state of affliction for seven long months. The ark of God is still present and it's coming up to a very important time. It's a harvest time coming. And it's obvious that there's also a plague of rodents. The word can mean mice and rats. The grain is about to be brought in to be stored. Which grain is endangered by the rodents that mar the land. And the plague of famine is on the horizon. And as bad as things have been, a plague of famine is one of the most terrifying things a nation can face. So Philistia fears it's going to be like another Egypt. And they now realize it's time to let the ark go home. How do they go about that? How do they send the ark home? And what we have now in this portion that we read, verses 2 through to 9 of this chapter, we have the council of the Philistines to discuss the course of action with respect to the ark of the Lord. And this narrative here is very interesting because it is full of dialogue, full of talk, debate, council. The place is some kind of assembly, perhaps the town hall in Akron, some civic centre, some kind of a parliament or a general assembly, and high-ranking citizens and the Philistine lords are present. Representative heads of the nation, all the nobles coming together, the communities, the experienced, the gifted, the best heads in Philistia coming together to dialogue what to do with the ark. And the Spirit of God has recorded it for us. He set the camera up in the civic house of Akron. And he's letting us hear the debate. Eight verses are given to it. Quite a substantial portion. It is clear, therefore, that the Lord wants us to reflect on what the Philistines are saying and how they're handling this whole situation. If you study it, you will see that there are four speeches. Not necessarily that only four people have talked, but they've been collected together in four general speeches, and there may be various inputs in, in regard to each of those speeches. It's only the summary. And the first speech is in verse 2. The Philistines called for the priests and the diviners. They got them into the civic house, saying, What shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. So it's not a question of whether to send it away or not. They seem determined on getting rid of it. But it's a question of how to send it away. Wherewith? Shall we send it to his place? Now, whenever they took it from Ebenezer, they weren't one bit concerned how they took it away. They weren't concerned how they handled it then or what they carried it in. 
But now they're very concerned lest they anger the God of Israel even further. So they're concerned how to transit it back home. They have discovered that the God of Israel is not to be treated lightly. They felt his heavy hand, so they aren't going to treat him lightly. They're not going to be irreverent to him. So the priests and the diviners get their heads together and they give them the second speech, verse 3. If you send away the ark of the God of Israel, don't send it empty, but return him a trespass offering. Then you shall be healed, and it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. So in that answer, they set forth as they see it, the only prospect of healing. Now still in the back of their mind, they're thinking the possibility, maybe this isn't the hand of God. They're going to test that thought. But in the danger that it is definitely the hand of God, he's going to have to get a trespass offering. So they know their sin in the camp. They know that the God of Israel is angry with them. He is offended by them. And they feel the need to somehow appease him to get his hand removed from them so that they may be healed. And so they say, there'll have to be a guilt offering to the God of Israel. Now the people have no clue how to be reconciled to God. And we see that in the third speech, verse 4. They said, what shall be the trespass offering which we shall return to him? And now we have the last and the longest speech of all. Verses 4 through to 9. They answered five golden hemorrhoids, five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines, the cities. One plague was on you all and on your lords. So five, five golden hemorrhoids and golden mice. More than five, it seems, because when we read on down the chapter, it seems that there were mice for, for the villages and the unwalled places as well. So there seemed to be more golden mice than tumors. But these golden images, put them in, in with the ark of God. Peradventure he will lighten his hand from off you and from off your gods and from off your land. And then they bring in about the Egyptians, what the Egyptians done. And then they give guidance about make a new cart, get two milk cows that have never been yoked before, tie them to the cart and bring their calves home from them away. And take the ark of the Lord and lay it upon the cart and the jewels of gold beside them. Let it travel. And if it goes up the way of his own coast to Bethshemesh, then God has done this great evil. Will know his hands upon us, surely. So they're testing God. And will know then that this isn't a chance, this isn't an accident. That is his hand. So it's a pretty large description of the discussion and of the advice given by the priests and the diviners. What does the Lord want to show us in this is the question that we always have to ask. The Lord makes no comment on it. You'll notice that. 
He doesn't say whether their comments are good or bad, what, what they're discussing, whether it's good or bad. The Lord makes no comment. He, he doesn't say one way or the other. He just wants us to watch and to listen and to draw our own conclusions, as if to say, look at this. Look at this mad assembly, people of God. I'm just going to let you watch it. And so what we're being shown here is what we see in many parliaments of the world and in all the parliaments of the nations that forget God parliaments without the Bible we see the darkness of heathenism we see the spiritual ignorance the gross ignorance of sinners who have no knowledge of the word of God. The people in this parliament are groping in the darkness. And the Lord wants us to look at it. Why does the Lord want us to look at it? Why does he bring us in and spend the time in the Philistine parliament? So we can appreciate what we have as the church of Jesus Christ. So we can appreciate what we have as a session of elders when we have judgments and decisions to make. So we can appreciate what we have as a presbytery when all the elders come together to deal with the problems. And what we can be assured and comforted in that the parliament that has Christians in it and gives place to the word of God that we can appreciate that. And we can thank God for that. So the Lord wants us to appreciate the light we have, the grace we have, especially the election of God that we have. Because that's what the Philistines don't have. They don't have God's election. They're not partakers of the sovereign grace in the devil's kingdom. And this is what it's like. So the Lord wants us to appreciate what we have in having the light of the word and in having a great shepherd, Jesus Christ. But also he, he shows it to us because he wants to remind us this is what we go back to if we get rid of the word of God. If a parliament of a nation is going to cast out the Bible, if it's going to reject the word of God, this is what it is going to go back to. This ignorance, this darkness. So the nations that forget God, and they're certainly doing that in this Western world today, and turning their back to the Bible, embarrassed by the Bible, rejecting the Bible, they want to know that this, this is what you're heading to. This is the kind of parliament that you're heading to. Decreeing nonsense. Doing things contrary to the word of God. So it's only God's word that brings light. And the Bible's not in here. To the law and to the testimony, the Bible says, if they don't speak according to this word, it's because there is no light in them. And here's Akron's council chamber. No light in it. No light at all. You know, the Bible says, Psalm 74, verse 20, the dark places of the earth. There are dark places in the earth. 
terribly dark places. And this is one here. And the dark places of the earth, the verse says, are full of the habitations of cruelty. And that's Philistia. Dark, full of cruelty. Idolatry is darkness. Paganism is darkness. And darkness is cruelty. It impoverishes people. It destroys people. The rejection of the light of God's word blinds and deludes and destroys the souls of people. It is a breeding ground for Satan. When the light goes, Satan comes. When the Bible's rejected, something goes in its place. And it's satanic. So it's a breeding ground for Satan and evil spirits. The dark places of the earth are the habitations of cruelty. Because that's where the cruel spirits go. That's where the wicked thrive. And it produces a cruel race. Such as the Philistines are. People like Goliath. Giants in wickedness. It gives birth to such depravity. It destroys true love. It dismisses mercy. It is licentious, covetous, destructive of all that Christian principles have brought to a people. The rejection of the Bible brings you back to heathenism with all its dark cruelty. Does the nation want to go back to that? Does the nation want to go back to green? Green. Is not the cry now back to nature? We have to give nature its place. Climate change and all of this. Back to the druids. Back to the earth gods. Back to the fertility gods. Back to giving focus. Not on heavenly things but on earthly things. On the land. On nature. Well this is what they will go back to. Because if anybody are the experts on the fertility gods, it's the Philistines. With Dagon holding his stalks of wheat. The fertility god. I was very saddened to see the format of the invitation that went out to the people to attend the coronation of the king. The independent newspaper said, The green man is the inspiration behind the design of the king's coronation invitation. Now I'm bringing this in because, you know, if we go back back to nature, back to the green man, which Christianity saved us out of, but if we go back to that, we're going to go back to the habitations of cruelty. The independent was right. Prominence was given to the green man on the invitation cards. All kinds of pictures from nature, the nice English flowers from the countryside and all the birds. And then at the bottom, this green man with a crown. Artwork, colourful abundance of the wildflowers and the wildlife. With this green man motif at the centre at the bottom, as if to mark the start of the new reign. Is this what King Charles wants to be? The green man. The green man bears a crown. 
The green man is a figure from British paganism which symbolizes spring, life, rebirth. Not spiritual rebirth, not the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. No rebirth without the grace of God. This is what the king chose for his design. There is no Bible, no cross, no Christian symbol whatsoever. None of the symbols of Christianity. Now, I don't want to read too much into this, but is this not an indication to us of that spirit that exalts nature and hides the Creator? What does the apostle say? Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now Dagon, as I said, is the fertility God. Some think he is part fish, part man. He has a confused identity like many today. Doesn't know what he is. A fish or a man. Mixed nature. This is the darkness and ignorance of a people void of the truth. This is paganism. Now listen carefully to what God says about paganism, about the Philistines and idolaters. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. Now why do I say that? Why do I read that long description of Dagon and all the idols of the Philistines? Because whenever you look at this parliament, how does God view this people? That psalm goes on to say, they that make them are like them. They're like them. And so is everyone that trusteth in them. So God is letting us look at this parliament and he's telling us, look at these people. They're like Dagon. They're like their gods. This is a council chamber of darkness. They don't see. They don't understand. They don't speak knowledge and truth. They're like that headless god that was lying at the threshold. They don't see and they don't hear God's word. And there's this ignorance. Now let's reflect on the ignorance. This is seen, first of all, in the call for the advice. Who do they ask for the advice? The priests and the diviners. Verse 2. The call for the religious leaders. The call for the spiritual men who do not know the Lord. Priests of Dagon. Diviners of the supernatural, you know, the diviners are the people who read the stars. Or maybe they sacrifice a beast and take the entrails out and they can read from the entrails. Or maybe the way the birds fly in the, in the air. Some divining method to try to know what to do. The diviners. The Philistines know then that this is a supernatural matter. The Ark of the Covenant. They don't know how to deal with the invisible world, with, with the world that Almighty God is sovereign over. They know they are dealing with God. They know they're dealing with the invisible. They know they're dealing with the Almighty. But they don't know how to do, to do so. And so they call in the priests and the diviners. 
the witches, the astrologers, and others who use the wicked arts, the dark arts. Now you must remember these are not Canaanites, these Philistines. They've come from, from Mediterranean, from the islands of Greece. Uh, they have the more advanced technology. But they're still darkened and enemies to God's truth and righteousness. Doesn't the Bible always tell us as Gentiles that we're not to walk as, as the Gentiles walk? How, how did the Gentiles walk? In the vanity of their mind. Without a Bible, in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened. Darkened by the devil, darkened by their ignorance. Not only darkened, but they're alienated, alienated from the life, alienated from the light, alienated from all that's good, from the light and life of God, alienated from it. Not only cut off from it, but don't want to know about it. Alienated through the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. And the Lord is letting us see these blind hearts. These, these people who are alienated from the life of God. And in darkness. And we don't want to be like them. Israel has a prophet. Samuel. Israel has the word of God. Israel has open vision now. Israel has the scriptures. But not Philistia. It's the people in darkness. And they're groping. How to handle a situation. And I say this because we are so blessed to have the Bible. So blessed to have the light of the word. Blessed to have the scriptures and the gospel and Jesus Christ. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. Truly blessed that know it and hear it and obey it. The Bible says that that people walk in the light of the Lord. Those who've heard the joyful sound, the gospel, they walk in the light of the Lord. Praise his name. These people haven't heard the joyful sound. And this is the darkness, the ignorance. House of Jacob, walk in the light of the Lord, Isaiah says. The light of his countenance. And so these diviners are resorted to because they have no Bible. We're forbidden to consult diviners, by the way. There's no way that we should do it. The Bible says there will not even be found among you that is a witch or observer of times or an enchanter or useth divination. You'll not possess or hearken on to them. The Lord won't suffer you to do it because you have the Bible, you see. You have it. And as well as that, we have a shepherd. In the Lord Jesus Christ, who leads us, even through the valley of the shadow of death, in the darkest place we could possibly conceivably go, he's there leading us through it, with his word, rod and staff, to keep us on the path and show us the way, even through the darkness. But Philistia has no shepherd, no light, no guide, no hope in death, no rod, no staff to show the path, and this is what a nation is that forgets God and turns from him and refuses to inquire of scripture. And the nation has to be warned. And our parliament needs to be awakened. Not to go back to that. The king got a Bible. But it's not to be remaining closed and ignored. It's not an ornament. 
is not a symbol merely of state. It's something that is to be heeded and followed and obeyed. So rejecting Christ and turning to nature will not help our woes. It actually will only aggravate them. Then the other thing here is the darkness and ignorance is seen in that telling question in verse 4. What shall be the trespass offering which we shall return to him? Now that reveals that they have sin on their conscience. That they know sin is the problem. That there's guilt. Because trespass offerings deal with guilt. How are we going to deal with the guilt? We have to have a trespass offering, but what will the trespass offering be? What have we to do to get the forgiveness of sins? What have we to do to be made right with God? They have a conscience. As dark as they are, and as hard as they are, as blind as they are, there's this thing in them that never goes out. It's called conscience. Everybody has it. That's why we're not a bit embarrassed by the Bible. You say, well, why, why do you give the Bible to people? Why, why would you quote the Bible to people? Why would you say that? You sure that, that, that there's nothing in them that would profit from it? Oh, there is. There's conscience. There's a conscience. You see, that's on our side. God has put conscience in everybody out there. No matter how dark they are, everybody has it. Sense of sin. A sense of, I have to give account for this to God. I'll be answerable for this someday. This will arise again. This will come up again. Everybody has that sense. Conscience. Can't silence it. And so, we're not embarrassed to use God's word. And we know where we aim God's word. At the conscience. That's the link. So that's the tool that we have for sinners. In God's word. But of course. People know to keep the word well away. Well away. But we have to get it there. So while men have consciences. And know something of a sense of guilt. They don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to be reconciled to God. That's where the gospel comes in. See only the gospel teaches you that. These people don't have the gospel. They know there's something not right. They know they've offended. They know they're guilty. They know they're stained. But. How can how's it dealt with? They don't know. How are we going to be reconciled? So even in this chamber, there's a little light, some some light that God has brought to them by natural revelation, because conscience is part of natural revelation. And then history. History's taught them. Providence, you see, providence, and providence is natural revelation. It disturbs you. Things happen and they disturb you. And they've heard about what happened to the Egyptians, and in that revelation that was recorded to come, and come back to them in, in providence the knowledge of it, they, they knew something about how Egypt was dealt with and what they did and so there, there's some light there from natural revelation they don't have a Bible, they don't have the New Testament or the Old Testament but they have these things here what we call nature nature the revelation of, of nature and the revelation of nature doesn't save you. It hasn't got converting power. doesn't regenerate. And so these men have kind of an awakening. They're disturbed. Natural revelation. They know God. They have to give an account conscience and all of this. But we don't know how to be reconciled to God. 
Because nature doesn't teach it, you see. Because when nature was made, there was no sin. It was just a pure, created world. So if people are going to be saved, it's not going to be nature that's going to do it. It's not going back to nature that's going to do it. It's the gospel that does it. It's the revelation of God's word that does it. The light of the word, Psalm 19 and all of that. Yes, the heavens declare the glory of God, but it's the word that illuminates the mind, that changes the heart, that turns the sinners, that searches the mouth and converts the soul unto God. So there's something of, of natural revelation here. Give glory to God, they say. Peradventure he lighten his hand from off us. But then in the same breath they say, off us and off your gods. I mean, that's how dark and ignorant they are. God's hand will come off us and his hand will come off our gods too. With blindness. Just have a look at it. The Holy Spirit isn't even commenting. He just says, just, just look, just listen. The darkness, the blindness, the loss can't find their way. They don't know it's Christ alone. They don't know that it's substitution. Substitution. And so that's the third thing. They don't know how to be reconciled to God. They don't know how sin was dealt with. So their ignorance is seen in the guidance that they give. They try to answer the question, what's the trespass offering? How are we going to be reconciled to God? So they try to uh, answer it and, you know, make these images of gold. You know, get the jeweler. Make tumors of gold. Make the mice of gold. This is their offerings to appease God. This is typical pagan response. Make images. We trinkets. Gold tokens. Plenty of money. Put plenty of money into it. Pay God off. Reparations. Restitution. Pay them off. Pay them off. And that just shows the ignorance of men. The labor of their hands. If, if it's dear enough. And if it takes enough effort. God will accept it. The blindness. This is work salvation. That's all man ever resorts to. However formed of works they adopt, this is just groping in the darkness. Not if it glorifies God. It's the work of men's hands. Blindness and folly of it. Just think about it. The golden images themselves, they're, they're a violation of the first and the second commandment. And then mice, rodents, making images of rodents. I mean, they're an unclean animal in the Bible. To offer that to God. They don't even think to offer a lamb without spot and without blemish. They have no knowledge of the word of God whatsoever. No knowledge of the Passover lamb. They heard a lot out of Egypt, but some, for some reason or other it wasn't the Passover lamb doctrine that come to them. The Mosaic law was plain. A lamb without spot and blemish. Substitution. In short, they didn't have the gospel. They had not God's covenant among them by which he ministers the grace of salvation to his people. They didn't have the covenant because they didn't have the election of grace. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day, isn't it? The gospel light didn't come to them 
And if it did, it was but a flicker. Whenever they maybe opened the mercy seat and saw the tables of the stone and rejected it and closed the lid again and suppressed God's truth, held it down in unrighteousness, shall not make unto thee any graven images. I mean, that's, that's the first thing they would have read. But they have no interest in that. They're not interested in the light of God's word. They hold it down in unrighteousness. And they hold fast to their ways and to their gods. They're not the election of God. Israel is. I think of the Thessalonians. Now Paul, whenever he went out, out first labor amongst them, there wasn't a convert among them. There were pagans, there were heathens. And Paul says, brethren, I, beloved, I, I know your election of God, he said. How did he know that? Did he read God's decrees? No. We know how he knew that because he said, when our gospel came to you, it didn't just come in word. It came in power. God came. God accompanied it. God came down. The Holy Ghost came down. It came with convicting assurance that the Holy Spirit gave. And you became followers of us and you became followers of the Lord. You received that Holy Spirit word in all your affliction. But you believed it. And no matter about the cost and no matter about the sacrifice, no matter about the suffering, you believed it. And you received the joy of the Holy Ghost. And you turned to God from all your idols. You give them all up. That's a very hard thing to do for, for Gentile believers because the whole idolatry system in the Roman Empire is just part of the, part of the civic society. You, you could hardly take a bath or eat a meal, but there wasn't a God involved. You couldn't go to the games and the sports but there wasn't pagan gods involved. You couldn't get a job. There's a lot to give up. But you did it. Because God's word came and converted you. So, so I, know, I know your election of God. That was why you were converted. That's why you're different from all the rest. Nothing to do with anything about you and your free will and your wonderful, marvelous choice. No, it was God's power and his electing grace. And now you're waiting for his son to come back again. You're true believers. And that's the only hope for a dark nation congregation, the gospel. We don't want parliaments like this, groping around in the dark. Deciding all kinds of nonsense and unrighteous things. We need the word of God. We need the gospel. And we especially need the Holy Spirit accompanying that with power. With power, that's, that's the only answer. And that brings repentance and faith in Christ. And reconciliation to God. And living for Christ and waiting for Christ. And that's why the church preaches. And that's why the church Promotes the Bible. That's our mission. That's all we have. That's why we send missionaries. That's why we get the word of God among all the nations. Like the Trinitarian Bible Society. And into parliaments. And put them into the hands of kings. Now of course you will say. God went along with all of this didn't he? After all he used it to go back to. 
Israel in their new cart with their cows pulling it. He went along with it. Yes, he did go along with it. Not because he was reconciled to Philistia by their trinkets, but because he loved his people. I wanted to go back to his people. Paul said, the times of this ignorance, God winked at. He turned a blind eye to it. He went along with it. He had patience with it. Until Christ came. He doesn't do that anymore. Now he commands all men. Every parliament. Every nation. Every lord. Every governor. Every ruler in the earth. Every rich man. Poor man. Liberal man. Free man. Man in bondage. Every man. Everywhere. Repent. He commands everybody to repent now. Doesn't wink anymore. He ignored their dark follies. He went along with some things. And we'll see that in Samuel here. He went along with some things because he was aware of the gross ignorance. And they didn't know what they did. The Lord drives their current, as we shall see, turning a blind eye to their ignorance. But not anymore. God winks no more to the nations. The gospel has gone into all the earth. Men have to turn now. And they have no excuse now. So nations must know this. And brethren and sisters, we must keep fast to the Bible. And always give it its place. And always make sure it has the central and the most important place. It's everything, the word of God. It's the, the gospel is our light and our saving help for us as a church and for the nations too. So let's love it.